Hello and welcome to QBD Book Club, the podcast. I'm Victoria Carthew. Great of you to pop in today and have a listen. And we're chatting to an author who writes a mean thriller, but I think maybe in a previous life could have been a real estate agent because she's written about other people's houses and now it's Apartment 303. With thanks to HarperCollins, great to chat with Kelly Hawkins. Let's have a listen. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Victoria. It's great to be here. There is a theme, isn't there? I know there's not really a real estate background, but you're kind of like delving into personal lives at other people's houses and now in an apartment. Yeah, I haven't really put that together, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah, and I am a secret kind of one of those real estate people that does always, you know, that's probably where the first book came from. I do always keep an eye on real estate and everything. So it is kind of weird, but yeah, there's no background in that you know, for me, but it's, yeah, it's in, an interest of mine. <laughs> so you're not one of those people that goes to open houses, even though you don't want to buy the house? A little bit, maybe. <laughs> not too many, but I have done it before. I have done it before. <laughs> we know that you're a bit of an old hand now. This is the third book, but it did begin for you with great success uh, with other people's houses. And it's, it really kind of, it really launched you really well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it was, um, yeah, that book was with me for a long time, I think. Um, so yeah, and it was a great start. I, I you know, a lot of people do. I still reading that. I still get some, you know, comments on Instagram and various things about people reading it, which is great um, because it probably was the closest one to my heart because it was the first kind of book that I wrote and it was sitting with me for a long time. Um, so yeah, I was really lucky with that one. It's been good. Did that success because you did it did so well for you at an interesting time? I mean, I we think back about the past few years and how important books and stories were to people's lives when we were sitting at home. Yeah. Um, did that success really give you a great deal of confidence as you went and continued the writing journey? Um, it kind of did, I guess, both. It's kind of, it's confidence building, but it's also quite difficult to move on and try and do, and to have people, I guess, expect or uh, kind of expect that you can do it again or to, to, to write something. And you, as a, you know, as a new writer, you really don't know if you can, if you can write anything, <laughs> even if it's a second time or the third time. Every time for me is, is as hard as the first time. So um so yeah it was it's it was great that people were wanting more but it was also I guess some pressure as well so there's yeah flip sides to it absolutely and I think that's I know quite often we get um people who are really interested in becoming authors tune in and join us as well they're always really grateful for insights and I know um for, for new authors but once you're in the system isn't it it's quite interesting there's a different type of support there when you've had that first absolutely. success you know how to navigate the system yeah definitely and and it's hard. It's a lot. Of obviously, coming into it with a debut, it's really um, there's there's so, it's so much harder to get that book published. But once you've had something published, it's much easier generally um, to to get the second or the third book published, which is lovely and it's great to have that support. The publishers in like HarperCollins have been so supportive um, and I guess um, encouraging. So you know, like when I say I could, you know, it's quite difficult. You feel like it's hard to have that support from your publisher. To say no, this is great, or you know, you can do this is yeah, it's so important, and it's and it's something you miss when you're at home before you've been published and you're trying to write that book. It's really difficult. <laughs> anyway, and you said that story sort of sat with you for a long time. Then you went on to book two, and then now we're out with book three with Apartment Three Hundred Three. Are you a person who has always had a lot of stories in your head that have been rolling around, or have you had? Did you have to find a way to to bring Apartment Three Hundred Three to life? Yeah, a little bit. There's always, I think it's, there's always ideas in there. Um, this one changed a lot um, along the way, maybe perhaps more than the other books that I've done have. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think it's kind of weird how your mind works. And 
you're riding one and as you get towards the end there's you're sort of thinking oh this you know ideas start to come for the next books or the next one and it's and the ideas the ideas are great fun it's kind of a lot harder when you actually sit down and have to <laughs> and have to do the hard yards but um the ideas I find quite fun so they're always there. And I, I guess as well, um, when you know that there's a future in it for you, you can go, oh, I'm saving that one for later or I'm going to, if, if things come to you. Yeah. And they, and you try, you might have a great idea, but you don't, you know, with one idea and then you need to mesh it with something else. So there's always lots of, you're always looking for ideas. But yeah, I think um, having having ideas in the back of your head is is something probably most writers would, would say they do. But, you know, the, you've got to wait for the right time or the right, you know, you've got to be inspired to sit down and write a book because it's such a big undertaking. It's not something, you know, you've got to really be wanting to write about it for months, you know, think about it for months and research it and everything. So it is, um, yeah, you've got to be really ready for it, I think. And they often say that you should write about what you know. And I guess in aspects of Apartment 303, the PI work has something that you've been able to put into your books as well. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a private investigator. I always do say that. I think when, um, yeah, it, but I do, I write reports for, um, for a private investigator. So um so I don't go out and do the surveillance but I might write up you know the notes that the um the operative's given us so yeah there's there's it's interesting I suppose and people are fascinated by it and it, it is interesting just to know like to see yeah to not know what's what people are doing or to find out and I'm I think as a writer you're always interested in people's lives other people's lives and I guess this is a part of it writing's a part of it and and yeah watching people which is kind of what this book's about as well well, I think you're pretty smart because you've taken the the, the less dangerous option of not actually yes. being the operative, but you get to get <laughs> like get the good results and yeah. and see how how I, I guess in in a way how people tick, which has come and been very useful in this book. Yes, yes, it is, and it's. I think I think most writers again are probably are probably interested in that. For me, the main thing, I mean, plot and everything, of course, that's important, but the main thing that I write for, I would say, is the characters and and what and and getting to know them and and how they interact with others just so and and just that insight into people um yes. is what you're always looking for what people are like so many um books and, and and authors use their landscapes and their scenery you know they're almost part of the novel uh you didn't have that luxury with this because very much where we are in apartment 303 is yeah. that is the crux of it all and the view and the outlook so you you set yourself i feel like it was a, a task because well, you had to really like flesh that out didn't you yeah, I did. And that was more of a task than I expected because you kind of, until I started, obviously, um, and it's written in the first person as well. So it's, it's very, it's, you know, one location and one person. And that did make it quite difficult, probably more so. And so the next book I'm writing, I've tried to get away from that because, <laughs> you know, having more people and more places you can go does make life a lot easier when you go to write something. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't make it easy for myself um, in that way, but it just, I don't know why, that was something that was really, I just was really interested in how someone lives like Rory is living. Um, but, yeah, it limited it a lot. It limited a lot. I did have her be able to go out a little bit, which um, was helpful, and she does have a rooftop she can go to and a few things like that which was a little bit helpful, but otherwise, yeah, she's mostly in the one place. <laughs> so we need to tell people where the story goes. Rory lives in apartment 303 and she has a view across the road to a, I guess, a homeless encampment. But give us give us the give us the lowdown. Yeah, so yeah, so the book's about Rory. She's 26 and she she has um sort of trauma-induced OCD and anxiety. Um and so she's been living alone in this apartment for a number of years now. 
um, with her dog, her little dog Buster, um, yeah. who's really her main company. Um, yeah, and so she one day she sees something across the road, um, the encampment, the ho homeless men live there. Um, she knows them very well, as you can imagine, because she doesn't get out very often. She looks out the window a lot. Um, and she doesn't see a man being, who, who was murdered, but she the next day she the police are there and, and she realises that one of these men who she knows quite well just from watching him, not from um, any encounters with him, so she feels like she really knows him quite well. Um, he's murdered and and then everything starts to change for her. She's wondering, you know, if this murder is something to do with her past um, and she's, yeah, so it all starts to, real life starts to encroach on her small life, I suppose, after that. But, yeah, that looking out the window and, I mean, this, this um, the location is actually um, based on where I lived once um so I did live in an apartment very, very oh. um, with my boyfriend who became my husband when I was probably about her age, actually, maybe, maybe a little bit older. Um, so, yeah, and someone did get murdered. So this is like the central incident is actually based on something that happened when I lived in that apartment. We were in the same, basically, imagine reimagined the building and the apartment yeah. to a certain extent, but essentially it's the same outlook the same location and and, the, and a real life incident that happened. So it is all based on something that happened. But it, uh, having said that, everything is you know I've totally it's all yes. fictionalized. But yeah, yeah, so that's where I guess the original idea came from. It's been amazing. Okay, okay. And you it have was a long time ago. It was like twenty years ago. But I guess yeah. it still it sticks in your head. Somehow. Of course, of course, and, it's a big, um, yeah. Big so it was yeah and. And so I suppose it's something that I've always had in the back of my mind. And then when it when I wanted to write about it, it was like, what you know, what would happen, or who who should see this, or what should happen to the person. So there's a couple of incidents there that go together. But yeah. It's that time of year. Our catalogue is out now for the mums and the other great women in your life. A book absolutely is the gift that keeps on giving. It gives that woman in your life, your mum, your grandma, your carer, time out. I reckon they've earned it. So take a look at the QBD Mother's Day catalogue out now. As you said, she doesn't really know these men who live in, in the camp because she doesn't really interact with anyone, but she has nicknames for them all, that kind of really interesting observational. That must have, I imagine, been quite interesting and fun because they've got some pretty good names. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's, uh, uh, you know, there's like Skinny Santa because he looks like Santa but he's skinny. They're just, there's just names that I figure if, I, if it was me, I'd probably do something similar. You know, um, the, main, the, the man who is murdered is an older man. Well, well, sorry, there's a, there's a man who was murdered and the man that she interacts with is an older man um, and she calls him Long Socks. And, and again, that's someone we saw who had, he always had Long Socks and he was an older man and we used to wonder, you know, how how this man ended up there, I suppose. And he, you know, it's, it's interesting. And that's, again, another thing I suppose about watching is is that you wonder about people's lives and, and in this case she's wondering about what these men, who they were, um, imagining who, who they once were and how they ended up where they are. So, yeah, and the names go along with that. 
I suppose. So they're, they're kind of fun names, even though it's a serious Yeah, they are. They really are. And you feel, and I think what it also does is in your own mind, it kind of makes you imagine and, and put yourself there. So you are imagining yeah. characters. The other thing you've done really cleverly is the way you've written the book on it. It's quite a short timeline in terms of when the story unravels, but keeping us on that clock of day by day, yeah. it builds the tension, doesn't it? Yeah, I tend to, I, I tend to like writing things on a shorter timescale. I find it with a thriller, maybe it's a little bit easier than, than having it over a span of months or whatever. It's just, I guess you want to keep that tension um, rising and, and know something's going to happen all the time. So I guess that comes with the thriller or crime, crime genre, yeah. Um, tell us about Rory and where she came from, because she, when you first meet her, you think based on the life she's living that she's going to be pretty meek and mild, but then her first interaction with the police, she's like, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to her. So tell us where she came from. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, for, I, it was again. I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I was writing about someone who's interesting. And if, if they are too meek and mild, it's it does get a bit boring. So, and I'm figuring, um, even though I wanted to have someone that, even though she's she doesn't, she's got a lot of issues and a lot of um, mental illness, mental health problems. But she and she lives all alone. She doesn't get out. But she, I didn't want her to be boring. And I wanted her to. She would have interests. I feel like if I was in that situation, I was alone I could still do things or there were things I'd be you know in this case things that she's good at so she's got quite good um, knowledge about things like technology she knows how to fix things herself because she doesn't want to ask for help so she's good at, um, around the house um, so she's quite she's quite uh, I suppose independent even though she doesn't go and do anything her interactions with people is another story but yeah. <laughs> when she's on her own and she's She's on forums online. She can do, I mean, internet obviously can, can get her to a lot of places. And so she's really good at researching things. And, yeah, and she's, even though she, when she does come into contact with people, there's times when she's a little bit, um, you know, maybe standoffish or, or in, you know, not not doing so great. But then at other times she does really stand up for herself. So I need, I think I needed her to do that. I needed her to be that sort of person. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the, obviously there are mental health challenges there, but her self-talk, uh, you know, when she interacts with people, it's, it's actually quite relatable for someone without mental health issues because yeah. we all do that to ourselves, don't we? Yeah, exactly. And I and I, I, I feel like I'm a reasonably anxious person. I don't have um, the, the anything to the extent that Rory does. Um, she is, you know, a lot further down that track. But I feel most of us can relate to a lot of the, even, even some of the OCD, kind yeah. of things when you really I mean I think a lot of us do that sort of stuff and I think a lot of us are anxious and maybe with COVID and I guess there's a little bit of relatability there as well with her being um, stuck inside all the time but yeah I think the self-talk um, and again I had to pull back on that a little bit because a whole book of her um, yeah you know, <laughs> would be much yeah having to check her apartment 10 times I you know I obviously couldn't show that constantly so we I guess it's kind of and kind of implied that she's doing uh, a lot of that stuff still. But, yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that. And, um, you know, even though she's younger and she's had things happen to her in the past, I think a lot of us, we all have our own issues. Yeah. We all have things going on. And, yeah, just hopefully she's relatable in that way. 
And you talk about um, her outside interests and there's a one very much that is inside her life is her cooking and her love of food. That was actually really fun because I found myself looking forward to what the food was going to be <laughs> and thinking lucky she exercises on her rooftop because yes. she's doing very well. <laughs> yes, she would get with that, wouldn't you? No, um, no I, I love food. So, and I, I don't know, so food is always, I write for kids as well and I always put up food and things that kids eat in those books as well because I think people I don't know, people like reading about food, I do. <laughs> um, generally, even if you don't cook, maybe, but yeah, so and I, I do have I do love cooking, so that was quite fun. And I figured again, if you're in a if you're in living inside, you'd wanna have you'd wanna control some things, you'd wanna have yeah. it'd be some things you'd spend time on. Perhaps cooking would be one of them. Um, exercising might be another and even she's quite, you know, house house proud in a way. She looks after her plants and things that she can control. She really wants, you know, she she's able to do that. Well, I was thinking because you know a lot of um, a lot of times in books now we see there's attached like playlists or Spotify playlists in the back, and I was like, you could have a little recipe book yeah. in the back for Rory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could. Yeah, I've seen that in some books. That wouldn't be bad idea. <laughs> it's interesting because there's a lot of really troubling elements to the story. You know, obviously why Rory is the way she is, and then uh, you know the ongoing kind of police investigation, and then the the drama and the tension involved in the building. But there's a really lovely element of kindness and. To her, Rory's a very kind person at heart, and even though she's questioning herself, but also the characters around, be it the person that delivers her food or the other people that she interacts with, there's a real element there. Yeah. For me, that's important. Um, and the kindness and, and a bit of humour in there as well. I find that, I don't know, I tend to write about quite dark things, but not maybe in a too dark a way. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't mean to, but I think that's just probably how I do it. And and the, the kindness for me is always important that there are, and people, I don't know, there's a lot of kindness around us, I think. And in a situation like that where, you know, she's got to have friends, which she, she does make a couple of friends um, in her building. And it's just nice to see the interactions. Otherwise, it would be pretty kind of dismal life for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, of course, with her little dog, Buster, as well. Um, how did you decide how you were going to bring those elements in in terms of explaining her mental health and what she was doing without giving too much away in the story? Um, yeah, it was hard. It was hard actually because, yeah, so I, it, I don't know how I decided. I think there was a lot of rewriting in this one um, and a lot of, yeah, looking at it from different ways and making sure the story moved along um, as in, a, in an interesting way but wasn't giving away too much. So, yeah, I did find that quite difficult. Um, and, and putting the mental health stuff in there, there was a little bit of finessing to with the editing and to make sure that it, it worked and it didn't either drag and be too kind of boring or that it was, it, you know, she does have this um, mental health illness. You, you don't want to also skim over it or she can't just suddenly get better because that wouldn't be realistic either. So... Yeah, it's a fine line, I think, with those things, especially as someone who, who doesn't have that anything like she has to the degree that she has. You don't want to gloss over it and you don't want you've got to be really careful that you're trying to make it accurate. Well, I, I guess that's that's kind of where I was leading as well, is that it is we do see mental health issues and, and trauma uh, and violence in a lot of our current fiction that we're we're reading. Uh, and it gives a lot of scope, which is a strange way to say it, but it gives yeah. you because there are so many ways that this can impact. Uh, and what, in terms of your research for this, to look at this kind of trauma-induced OCD, how did that research evolve for you? Um, I found it really interesting, and I kind of originally was, when I started writing, I was kind of 
leaning towards having more phobias, which I find quite interesting. Um, but that that became quite difficult. Like she does kind of have um, a couple of phobias, um, but are more like triggers, I, I suppose, guess, yeah. which is just a little bit easier to write about. But yeah, so I, I did do a lot of research into um, OCD and anxiety and PTSD and trauma. And there were so many, I mean, there was, there's a lot of stuff out there, which is great. And there's a lot of ways that people deal with it or try to deal with it or that affects them. So it, there was, it gave me a fair bit of, of scope to change, to write about her, I guess, in a way that suited the book, but also um, I was trying to be as authentic as I could with, that, with how that was. Yeah. And I thought one thing you did really well, because one of those, we talk a lot more about mental health these days and we, we discuss it and it's, it's, it's right there with us, but it's still a hard thing for many people to understand if they don't live and breathe it. And I thought what you did really well, which was interesting, is Rory is, is suffering herself, but she still couldn't comprehend others could be in a similar situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's human nature probably too. Um, and it's difficult to put yourself in someone else's shoes, uh, even if you have, yeah, done something similar. And I think she's she has a lot of um, self, you know, doubt and a lot of, she's quite harsh on herself, which again, a lot of people are. So I think, yeah, in that way it worked for her because she she was, yeah, she was always down on herself. Um, so she couldn't really see that other people were also maybe suffering in different ways as well. Yeah. And I guess without giving it away, those tentacles kind of reach out into all the people that she comes into contact with. Her aunt is a really important part of her life and I guess funds her lifestyle to a certain extent. And, and the way you gave us her story was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's an element of control, I suppose, that I'm always interested in too, is who has control and how much control do we have of our own lives and of other people's. And in this one, it's kind of fairly obvious because she is, you know, she needs other people to help her so much. She's reliant on other people to a certain extent, which does put you in a, in a powerless position um, in some ways. So yeah, there was, there was a, and the other characters, I try and always make them realistic you know it's a book but you know realistic and at least like um good and bad i suppose so hopefully most of the characters in this book are no one's you know too perfect no one's you know i try and give them a, a little bit of light and shade um even the minor one minor more minor characters and um, we're talking to Kelly Hawkins about her new book, Apartment 303. I think you gave us um, characters around her who you who you kind of like loved and were suspicious of at times, which was <laughs> yeah. really interesting as well. And even Rory herself, because you're never quite sure is her self-talk because she's doing something. So you did yeah. it really you did it really cleverly to keep us on the edge. So you always wondered who or where this was headed. Yeah, and I do love an unreliable narrator, so there's often a bit of that, um, which was definitely in this book as well. But, um, but not hopefully not too unreliable, or you know, I want people to still uh, be in her corner. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's um, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> we're we're steps we're stepping very carefully here because we don't yeah, want to too much away. Right. It's, um, I don't want to say <laughs> no. You can't. You can't at all. That yeah. you need to. Um, you need to really tiptoe through it because you yeah. don't want to give too much away. And I think that's what it was, is that um, you felt yourself constantly kind of questioning and wondering if maybe. Uh, so that was that was fantastic. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I could um I could very much see this on the screen, maybe because you've said it in this lovely high rise with this, you know, Sydney view. Um, is that ever in the back of your mind when you're when you're writing? Um, I think only in the way that I 
do write quite visually. So when I'm writing, I picture it kind of, yeah, as a, it's words, but it's also in my head as a, as a movie kind of um, with these sort of books. So, so in that way, yes, um, definitely. Because to me, it is very, it's a very visual thing. And I'm, I'm looking at it like, uh, you know, like I'm watching a, a thriller on the television as well as, as reading it. So I think that's just the way my kind of writing works and a lot of crime generally. Yeah, it's interesting. And I thought it was, it was great. You also, as much as you were feeling suspicious of nearly everyone, you were also kind of seeking out a hero. Like in your heart, you were thinking, are they going to turn out okay? Are they going to turn out yeah. okay? So there's a hopefulness, isn't there, in there as well? Yeah, especially with the characters that you like. Um, you don't want them to be, to be, you know, something that is not good in the end. <laughs> and you like it's the same way you don't want anything bad to happen to a buster. <laughs> it's like those sort of things you, you've got to be, yeah, you've got to have someone that you can barrack for and hopefully there's you can see that there's at least some people in there. Even though you're always thinking, oh, you know, are they as nice as they seem or is that going to work out? Hopefully, yeah, it's going along in the way that there are still some characters and, and, and the relationships between Rory and her friends is, is was important that they we showed how uh, that I showed how um, how well they got along and how yeah and how she's making friends and coming out of her shell a little bit too. Yeah, it was that was there was a lot of comfort in that as well. And yeah, shout out to all the dogs in our life because yeah. we're here without Buster. And you just you actually realise why because dogs are such a thing now for everyone. You realise yeah. why in, in a book like this when someone has no one else, but how important a dog is to them. Absolutely, yeah. And I um I got three new pets myself last year, so like yeah, so I think I had animals in my mind <laughs> a little bit, and how and and they are like you know for someone in her position, a dog would be or an animal or any animal really would be so comforting and so I think almost necessary for her mental state just to have that other other you know being to be responsible for and to be sitting next to you on the couch when you're watching television kind of yeah it's important. So, so unintentional as it was we've been to other people's houses and we've been to apartment 303 we're headed to a caravan park next where are we off to after this one what's next? <laughs> Um, the next one is is country town Australia. Um, yeah, so and it's I'm I'm in the middle of that in the moment. So if I'm forgetting what's happened in this one, that's why because yeah. I'm right in the middle of it and everything goes out my head when I'm, of my head when I'm trying to write something new. Um, so yeah, the next one is I'm really excited about at the moment. It's about sort of uh, it's tentatively titled the Miller Women, and it's about three generations of women who um essentially uh are killers <laughs> so it's about yeah <laughs> um which is not giving anything away but yeah it's about it's yeah mother and a daughter a teenage daughter and a, and a grandmother and and what's happened to them um and it's set in country new south wales like i went to uni in um I went to uni in bathurst and i went to um school in armadale so it's set in a colder kind of climate town um a smallish town which is nice yeah just a made-up town. <laughs> well, while your your head is currently in that book, your heart, I know, is definitely in Apartment 303. Yeah, and, uh, thank you so much for sharing it with us all because I think it's going to be uh, on, on many a shelf and, men, and create uh, many a conversation. So congratulations and, uh, and thank you so much for joining us on Crime Club. Thanks so much for having me, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for your company today on QBD Book Club, the podcast. We'll talk again soon.